Good morning for a uh, another edition of Driving Theology. This is Mike. Uh, today I'm not heading to work as usual, but uh, actually heading to an event that my uh, my uh, school puts on. I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but we run an English language school, and every autumn we put on a big costume, uh, what we call our autumn festival, and so I'm on my way to do that, set up, and so I'm partially in costume. I'm going to be the the uh, <laughs> the uh, wolf who eats the grandmother. Um, so if things get a little hairy today, you'll know why. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. Um, uh, we've had some tragedies uh, within our group. Um, uh, one very close friend of mine's father passed away uh, within the last couple of weeks, and my wife's uh, brother-in-law, uh, sorry, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, uh, who, was, who was my age, uh, also passed away. And so we've been dealing with some grief, uh, lots of funeral proceedings, um, lots of questions of why, and feelings of guilt and all the stuff that goes along with uh, losing a, a, a close uh, friend or a family member or a loved one. Um, there has been a lot of pain for our family in these last couple weeks, but there's been a lot of grace that has come alongside that pain that, that really I can't explain. During this time, the Lord has uh, strengthened us and, and um, given given each of us what what we need or what somebody else in our group needs and our family needs, and we've been able to comfort each other and come together and grow closer as a family, despite uh, the tragic events of this last week. And, uh, yeah, I hope one day to be able to talk. More openly about it, but it's probably still a little too soon. Still um, processing. Um, there's probably going to be some difficult conversations in our future, and uh, I know that though we've been covered with grace right now, that at some point uh, we may reject that grace and may go into some darker places. But I know that's all part of the process. And uh, yeah, I just want to be upfront and honest about all that. It's been very, very difficult. Um, very difficult. But uh, the Lord has shown up in our sorrow and our pain. And this is the closest that I've ever been to death, or I guess the other way to put that is, this is the closest person in my life that has ever passed away. So, uh, this has been a, a first time experience for me, and somebody so young and so full of life as well, um, to pass away so suddenly has been difficult. Uh, 
but yeah, I don't think I want to talk about that too much more today. Um, I think I'll talk about something perhaps a little bit more technical, and that is the uh, veracity of the gospel accounts. Uh, are the gospel accounts true accounts of the life of Jesus? Uh, if so, why do I think that? And if not, uh, why would somebody else think that? Which gives you a hint to where I think. <laughs> um, last week I stumbled upon a website that was created by and populated by uh, former Christians, people who have left the faith and become atheists and or agnostics or skeptics. Because I was, uh, an article came across my feed that that said, "What does the Bible have to say about abortion?" And the the uh, the tenor of the article was nothing. The Bible says nothing about abortion. The, the Bible has no rules against abortion. Therefore, it's it would be okay for Christians to be pro-choice or pro-abortion. Which, of course, uh, if you know me at all, you would know that, you know, I, I don't think that way at all. I don't. And so I, I, you know, replied and I said, well, calling calling the Bible a rule book or saying it's okay because the Bible doesn't say for or against something to say it's okay to do is like, is like trying to learn how to cook chicken parmesan from a... Uh, Olive Garden menu. Menus are not cookbooks any more than the Bible is a rule book any more than uh, a hammer is a screwdriver uh, or a knife is a Q-tip. <laughs> uh, at best, uh, using a tool in the wrong way would be ineffective. At worst, it might be dangerous. Uh, and that's how I see um, people using the Bible as a rule book. I, I think that's a very dangerous path. And it's not that atheists see it that way only. Christians, many Christians see it that way as well. Uh, it's a common way to, to see the Bible. The Bible tells me how I should live, and if I follow that, I'm okay with God. Whereas the Bible actually says you can't follow God by following rules, therefore Jesus. Uh, and anyway, so I commented and not knowing what kind of page I was commenting on because it was it was hosted by Patheos. Patheos or Patheos, I'm not sure how you want to say it, has uh, many channels uh, which I didn't realize. And one of the channels is an atheist channel. So uh, Patheos being, it says, hosting the conversation on faith has an atheist channel, and that's where this article came from. Where I didn't, I didn't see that. I just saw uh, all I saw was from Patheos, and I knew that you know there's a lot of they've hosted a lot of things. So I was anyway very shocked to find that almost everybody on the page attacked me right away, uh, and not very nicely. Um, 
I was quickly accused of breaking the bylaws of that page, uh, and I received a warning for preaching or proselytizing, which is not allowed, which I didn't see the warning before I had already posted several times. And then uh, one of my long uh, posts was completely deleted after spending about an hour maybe on it. It was completely deleted uh, to me without warning because I had not seen the other warning um, because so many people were so many people were commenting and there were several uh, threads that, that went out from the original thread. And so anyway, uh, it didn't go well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so where that has led in one of the threads is a conversation with a guy who calls himself Otto, O-T-T-O. Could be his real name, I don't know. He's a you know, an atheist or non-believer, I don't know exactly what he calls himself, but uh, he's been attacking me on my claim that the Gospels are the, the Gospels contain the key with which to read the rest of the entire scriptures, the rest of the entire Bible. In other words, uh, without a knowledge of Jesus as found in the Gospels, the rest of the scriptures are nearly devoid of meaning. That Jesus is is the, the main theme of the entire scriptures, and so understanding the scriptures require an understanding of him. Which I think a lot of Orthodox Christians would agree to, even if they haven't thought of it. I think once you think of it, uh, you realize that Indeed, the, the Bible is the story uh, of, of Jesus, really, and how he is the answer to the ways that we have messed up our relationship with God, uh, with the help of Satan. Anyway, uh, well, he immediately, this guy, Otto, immediately attacked the uh, believability of the gospel accounts, and his point is that they are... They obviously plagiarize each other, and they're also very different than one another at the same time. So they both plagiarize and are very different, and therefore they cannot be believed. Um, and there are some possible contradictions in the accounts, I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, well, number one, I admit the plagiarism, such as it is. I, I admit that they seem to have copied word for word uh, a document. I admit that. Number two, I admit that the accounts are do differ in points. Uh, that one one uh, gospel writer talks about one event that other writers may not talk about. The, the difference is I'm okay with all that and he's not. He sees that as evidence that the Gospels are incorrect and cannot be believed because they differ too much. Which is, of course, ridiculous. Um, so, one of the main uh, defenses of this phenomenon, especially the, where they differ, is the 
the idea of perspective, uh, whether that's time, whether that's place, whether that's cultural, whatever. The four people that we believe to have written the Gospels, out of the four, we have uh, three of which are are Jewish. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Luke, I think, is half Greek, if I'm not mistaken. I may have to look at this again. But we know that uh, three of the witnesses, uh, three of the, the writers were eyewitnesses, at least to part of what Jesus was doing. Matthew uh, being an apostle and John being an apostle. Now John was a close confidant of Jesus. He was in the, the, the group of the three uh, containing uh, Peter and James. So Peter, James, and John were uh, in a more intimate uh, relationship with Jesus. They seem to have been called to to witness his more intimate moments, moments where uh, Jesus decided not to talk to the entire twelve, but just to the three. He took them with him uh, at times that he did not take the rest of the twelve. And so John is one of the inner circle. Uh, and then the other is one of the outer circle from there. I suppose if you looked at it, you would see that John is a member of the three, Matthew a member of the twelve, Mark probably a member of the seventy-two, uh, and then Luke a member after that, after that fact. And so you have these uh, four accounts which are written from distant, uh, different distances in relationship from Jesus. But I, I personally believe that all four were probably witnesses of Jesus. Luke may not have ever met him, but may have seen him working from afar, may have been part of the bigger group of 500, for example. Uh, that would be my guess, but I'm not, a, I'm not a New Testament scholar, and so I really need to look this up. But they were written at different times, we know that. We do know that the Synoptic Gospels, which is what we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are written somewhat more chronologically and in a similar type of genre uh, and writing style, they do seem to have used a similar source, which would be a fourth, uh, fifth Gospel source, other than John and those three. Or, uh, or Mark is the being considered the, the earliest gospel is the source that both Matthew and Luke also copied from parts of. Uh, now let's talk about plagiarism. Plagiarism is copying one's work worth uh, copying someone's work and taking it uh, as your own. Now, the ideas of plagiarism, okay, that's plagiarism, right? Passing someone else's work off as your own, that's plagiarism. Uh, I don't know that that was a thing in the ancient world. I don't know that for sure. Um, and I do know that at least the copies that we have, neither Matthew John or Mark take credit for the writing. 
and I'm not even sure about Luke actually. I know Luke, I know who Luke addressed his gospel to, but I don't know that he ever signed it. Um, and so these people who we feel wrote the books, and this is from very early on, we, uh, it had been determined who wrote them. Um, they, the, the authors did not even try to take credit for the work. So to say, to say that they were taking credit for someone else's work, first of all, they didn't take credit for their own work either. Even the original parts, they didn't take credit for because that was not the point, and nobody cared. They were not writing a book to be sold. They were not writing a book uh, to make themselves famous. They simply wanted to be sure that future generations uh, had as much of the words and story of Jesus uh, as possible. But that's how much they value Jesus and what he said and what he taught. He wanted to protect the faith uh, because, as we know, uh, very early on, people were trying to change the faith and change change the beliefs into something other than uh, what Jesus would have uh, approved of or, or, you know, that were part of his plan. And we know that that happened quite early. Uh, Paul talks about a lot of the false prophets and false ideas that had seeped into uh, the, the way uh, and warned against them. So right off the bat, plagiarism, I, I just don't feel like it holds water. Uh, number one, it's pretty blatantly true that they did use the same source. Number two, they didn't take credit uh, for any of it. Somebody else gave credit, uh, and and that's that's accepted. It's accepted that they had a source, probably the earliest source that they used as the foundation of those three gospels. So, in my opinion, plagiarism doesn't hold water. And number two you would have to go back to, to Second Temple Judaism to find out if plagiarism was actually even a thing. Uh, and I know that different times in history uh, thought differently on all kinds of subjects that today we would consider uh, completely um, immoral. Uh, take all kinds of things from child sacrifice to uh, um, polygamy, um, what have you. Uh, you can't judge past uh, ancient civilizations on modern uh, modern proclivities and sensitivities. Uh, not that that would matter because they didn't take credit for their writings. So, uh, yeah, to me that that is out the window. The second thing of the fact that they are so different uh, is a is a perspective thing, and I and and this is this is uh, backed up by a um, uh, a police investigator. When it, when it, when police investigate a crime in which there are multiple eyewitnesses, they expect for there to be differences in the account. They expect for there to be some differences but they do expect for the main truth to come through nonetheless. 
Now the differences are simply perspective and human uh, the faults of being human. Right? We have an imagination. Uh, we see things differently. We interpret things differently. Uh, two people may say that, see the same event from the same uh, physical perspective and yet because of their mental uh, perspective may still report two different accounts. But police are trained to see through this. Police are trained to see through that and to expect that. Now, imagine that the eyewitnesses uh, were interviewed with time between them. The first eyewitness was interviewed a year after the event, the second eyewitness 10 years, the third eyewitness maybe three or four years, uh, 30 or even 30 years after the event. And I think you'll see that there's some of the details may be a bit, a bit dark, a bit dim. It may not be in 3D relief as they, they would have been had, had the eyewitness talked five minutes after, for example seeing something. So actually, when a when an investigator comes in and interviews witnesses separately, this is why they do it separately, they actually, their suspicion is raised when the, when the accounts are too similar. When the accounts are too similar, they're, you know, they're, uh, Suspicions would be raised that the, the people have actually colluded uh, and gotten their stories straight and decided to sell the, tell the same story before they got together. Uh, that's what a that's what I believe a an investigator would find that if the story is too similar, uh, then there has been collusion and then somebody is lying. Uh, most likely both witnesses because the, the accounts are too similar. Now, again, you have both in the Bible. You have, you have places where a, a common source was used and places where there are differences. Now here's the thing. Nobody was being interviewed as a witness to a crime. They were just simply writing down their recollections of the life of Jesus. And if they had a source that had a lot of the details in it, and again, the, the whole point of the thing was to, was to be as correct as possible. If they were to read a document and say, yes, that's how I remember it, let's just use that. That's very detailed. That's, that's got maybe even more things than I remember. Uh, but as I read them, I, I remember them. Why wouldn't they use the same source if the, the uh, point is to get as close to the truth as possible? Why wouldn't they use the same source? Again, they're not being interviewed because of some law, breaking of a law or anything like that. Uh, so, again, why are the witnesses telling their story? And does it matter that there are parts that are really similar and parts that are very different? Uh, now the differences 
I don't hear any early sources that disputed the parts that were different. People allowed for there to be differences in other people's accounts because they realized everybody had different perspectives. And here's the thing, do the differences change in any way who Jesus is, what he was doing on the earth? Does it change his divinity? Uh, does it change uh, his message? Uh, or anything like this? And if not, then I'm sure they allowed for the, the differences to be written down and not to be disputed because that's what happens in real life. Right? That's what happens in real life. People remember different things, but the basic story remains the same. Now, the atheists jump on the fact, you know, were, were, was there one donkey or two? Was there one donkey or two that Jesus rode in in the triumphal entry? Well, I don't know. We have both accounts. But did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? Yes, he did. We know that as fact. We know he did that. We know that happened. 